You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the Pride of Detroit podcast, P-O-D-Cast, PrideofDetroit.com, at Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Oh, let me move this mic here real quick. Okay, oh, there we go. Okay, just have it right. Perfect. Great. Fantastic. We are back from training camp. Well, I'm, those guys are. I'm not. I'm, I'm way, way, way away from training camp, but I'm here to corral this thing. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. As always. To bring you all the who's and what's of the Pride of Detroit crew and the Detroit Lions with my man, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit on Lion and Ryan Matthews Black is the rock god. at Ryan underscore POD. Why do we do that music for Ryan? Because he's the rock god. That's his nickname. We have nicknames for everyone here. Adequate host, fearless leader, rock god. You get the jokes now. Now we talk about some training camp. Jeremy, Ryan. You two are back from training camp. I know Jeremy spent a lot more time there. Ryan was there for, I think, like, what was it, Ryan, a day or two? Just one, just Sunday. Okay, cool, cool. So we've got plenty of notes to tell you what we've been figuring out. The entire Lions blogosphere has been going nuts to try to eat this training camp to just gorge upon it, gorge themselves upon all this stuff. Because as Jeremy will say, real football is back, to which I will say bugger to that. But you know what? He gets to talk about it, this stuff today. Isn't that right, Jeremy? I get to siphon every morsel out of four practices so far and tell you exactly what's going to happen in the Detroit Lions 2018 season with no question that I'm right because you, you I have, know everything about this team now. You have spilled the goat's entrails. You are looking at its distended, like its, its discarded liver. And you know exactly the record the Lions will go in 2018. You know exactly which Lions will be on the Pro Bowl team. Yes, you know I, I rolled. I rolled the discarded bones of the the goat, and it and it told the future. And boy, you guys sh- should be excited. We've killed a lot of goats. <laughs> That's mostly what training camp is. I don't know if you've got, you guys have been to training camp. This is my first year, but there's a lot of goat slaughtering. A lot of hail Satan. <laughs> I know I shouldn't be laughing at my own jokes, but this is this is now a Mr. Pickles podcast. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, pull back the curtain. Ryan, whenever he wants to gross out the Slack channel, he starts talking about Mr. Pickles. You don't know what Mr. Pickles is. It's a show on Cartoon Network, very late night adult swim, and it is grotesque. Don't look it up. Just don't, don't look, look it into it. <laughs> Please don't. Please Trust don't. Us. You will think v- even less far less of us it's definitely not available on hulu right now whatever you do don't even bother looking on hulu because it's not there waiting for you right now it's not for your kids 
<laughs> not for your kids. It's not for like human consumption in general. It's not for you, and very little in this world is. Except no. for Lions training camp, that's for you. It was actually for everybody starting on Sunday. Yeah. Although, wait, before we get into it, can I can I say real quick? I'm pretty disappointed in Lions fans and their their attendance thus far. Like, I get it with season ticket holders. I didn't expect there more to be than more there to be more than 1,500 people, maybe 2,000 people. But Sunday, the first time they put on pads, brand new coach, first time open to the public, the place was like three quarters full. That place needs to have a line of people turned away at the end. Three okay. quarters. Uh, it's training counter, camp. Counter, counterpoint. It started at nine fifteen Sunday morning. And it's training. Okay. Camp. People have to wake up earlier than that for work. You get to sleep in like an extra hour. That's fine. Get there. Come on. Okay. You're also siphoning out all the church crowd too. So that no, I mean, true. it's totally, it's totally on the timing aspect of it. I think if you're going I, I to just... football games, you are probably not the sort of person who thinks about going to church on Sunday. Well, that's not necessarily true, but I'm just mm. saying you look around the league church isn't an excuse for a lot of these football teams. They're, they're packed. You see like the Patriots and the Packers and the Packers, like I had posted a picture the first day of people lined up and a bunch of Packers fans got in my benches and just like, okay, wow. That's, that's all you Lions fans have to offer. Wow. People have nothing else to do in green Bay, except go to Packers training, color myself (laughs) shocked. Uh, I'm just that's... saying, there's, I don't, I don't feel the excitement around this team that I feel sh- is warranted right now with a new coach, with training camp. I, I, I don't feel the excitement that that I personally have, and uh, it's a little disappointing. That's all I'm saying. Could it just be that because you're just a hyper fan, hype beast fan, though? Because like I've talked to some other people, like out, I mean, step outside the Detroit Lions bubble every now and then, people don't think the same way about the Lions like we do. They of just course don't. not, but. They just but don't. We're, the practices are taking place in Allen Park in Michigan. The people here should be okay. excited. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just saying. I don't even know where Allen Park is. Allen, Allen Park is, I don't know, like 10, 15 minutes outside of Detroit. Either way, other NFL franchises are, are blowing up training camp, and I just don't feel it in Detroit. And I'm a little sad about that, especially like what else – what other sports team are you clinging to right now? This should be like, you should be putting all your eggs in the Lions basket compared to every other Detroit franchise right now. Okay, uh, another counterpoint. The thing that they're clinging to is not another sports team. The thing that they're clinging to are the only like three months of decent weather out of a calendar year in this godforsaken state Seriously, of Michigan. Get on get on up to the, the island. The practices are outside. Enjoy the weather. Who wants to be yeah, stationed I... outside on bleachers for like two and a half hours? Walk like on around, on your face on... painted, do a forty I... run. Okay, this is a great way of selling talk about training camp. By the way, <laughs> this is fantastic. This is the thing you could only hear on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Other people are going to be trying to sell you all of the hype that comes with practices. Which I mean, to 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 slowly veer this car back to actual talk about the Detroit Lions. Jeremy, like, I go back and forth with you every year, and I'm going to say the same thing. We still won't know what this team is because I've already seen a lot of people super impressed with the offensive line. And I really just, again, for someone, say it to me, say it to me. I am a person sitting here telling you 
that pe- of people t- who go to training camp talk about how good the offensive line is, I'm calling their BS right now because I don't know how good that line is. And probably we, what's going to happen is the first game's going to come and it's not going to look that way. Well, yeah. I mean, the one thing we talked about off, off mic was that, well, they're practicing against the Lions, right? And a lot of people don't think very highly of this Lions defensive line. So you could argue that very most offensive lines should look very good against this defensive line. I try not to make any sweeping generalizations like that when I'm at camp. I, I'm really more interested in the individual than I am groups because because of that thing, because they're going against the same guys every day. They're going against a, what you could be considered a, a lower unit. So I'm paying attention more to like, what is Frank Ragnow doing when he's going one-on-one with a whole bunch of different guys? What's Taylor Decker look like now that the shoulder injury is a year in the past? And And when I look at the individual stuff, it looks promising so far especially with Frank Ragnow. I think he he's really stood out to me in the last two days. It's kind of been hard for me to see offensive line play because they're on the opposite end of the field that I typically am at. But um, yeah, if, if you want to say anything bold, like, oh, the offensive line is killing it, I'm not ready to jump there yet. I'm, I mean, and I, I had this conversation in the Lion, in the Pride of Detroit comment section. It's like, you need to take every single one of my observations with a grain of salt. Because one, I'm just seeing it from one, my point of view. Two, I don't get a replay, so I can't rewind it back and see if I missed anything on a certain play, which, guess what? Every single person misses something on, a, on a, an individual play. Three, you look at a guy like Kent, who was at Sunday's practice and came away with a completely different, completely opposite conclusion than I came with, because he saw a whole bunch of different drills from different angles. So... To me, if, if you're getting a little overhyped about anything or, you know, in the opposite direction, if you're really down on the defensive line, because a lot of people have been saying the defensive line doesn't look so good. You just need to, like, sit back and relax because, one, it's only been four practices, two with pads, and two, it, it's just too early to tell when you're going up against your own guys. Watch the preseason game, and, of course, preseason comes with its own limitations, but... I'm not I'm not jumping to any conclusions about this team right now. I'm not going to say it's the run game is fixed. I'm not going to say pass protection is fixed. I'm not going to say the pass rush is broken. I'm just I'm just observing the in, individual right now and 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 we'll talk we'll get into some of those individual observations uh, I've I've I, made through the first week, but uh yeah, no no sweeping generalizations about this team yet. Yeah, it's I too think, early. I I think that's fair. I I mean, I know we do the spiel every year when we do this podcast. We tell people Watch out for false for false promises, and I only I'm only saying that because I've seen some people out there who've gone off the reservation to be like, beware this offensive line; it will be a monster in the season. You're being sold Kool Aid. Trust me, as someone who puts together a recipe for a very alcoholic Honolulu Blue Kool Aid, you're being sold Kool Aid. And I mean, take that what you want. If you want to be sold the Kool Aid, by all means, go ahead. It's a free cop. But and thirty thirty two teams are selling right now too. Let's not forget everyone's that. selling. Everyone is selling. Everyone thinks they're going to be 16 and 0 going into the playoffs and on a straight run to the Super Bowl, except for maybe the Cleveland Browns. Ryan's Cleveland Browns. Jarvis Landry thinks they are. He thinks they're going to put 40 up on every team that they're going well, to the Super Bowl. You know, I, I like having Coke dreams too. Now's the time of the year to have them if you're an NFL fan. So I think that's a good way to phrase it now that we've got our usual 
start of August, beware the beware of the hype trains uh, spiel. I think that's a great way to do it is to kind of look at those individuals. And I think we could probably do that for the next segment. What do you think, Jeremy? Sounds perfect. Cause I got All a right. whole bunch of notes. You got notes and I'm, and I want notes from Ryan too. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back on the pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit, P.O.D. cast. Once again, ListCast is on hiatus for another week. I think next week we've got to finally nail out the last one, and that's quarterbacks. And I'm I'm sure you all are dying to know where we think Matt Stafford belongs on that list. But we want to give you training camp this week. We want to give you training camp previews last week. We're all in on this. We will have some time next week, I believe, along uh, along with some new features, I think. We are going to commit this week to training camp and trying to finish up our Wayback Machine. So let's get back into talking about training camp. Uh, I know Jeremy has a lot more notes than Ryan, but I want to hear Ryan's thoughts as well. Was there anyone, Ryan, that you would say you saw stand out for you uh, on on either way? So someone where it's it's like you're not you're not looking into the hype around it, but you did see something where you're like, okay, that that could be promising. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jeremy talked a little bit about the perspectives that people are able to watch training camp from. And just because, you know, where the where the media grandstand is stationed, it's, uh, you know, it's it's kitty corner around the around the block from where all the fans are situated. So uh, the day of training camp that I went on Sunday, primarily the defensive line, most of the defenders spent a lot of time on the opposite field closer to Jeremy, um, whereas I got to see an awful lot of uh, offensive line play. Um, tight ends, wide receivers, um, thing, thing, things of that nature. So I, I think for, for me, what stood out, um, if, if there was one player that stood out, and I know we wanted to kind of temper expectations for the offensive line, but I was really impressed with Frank Ragnow um, playing left guard. It, it seems that that's going to definitely be his position um, as the Lions move forward here. But he's a guy who just seems like he he's he's every bit as advertised you know, when the Lions decided to make him their pick um, in the draft last year. So, or in the draft this year, I should say. So um, it it looks like he's the final, the final piece, that final cog in that machine, you know, knock on wood that it all stays healthy and, and things go according to plan, but um, really impressed with just his ability to um, take defenders one-on-one and kind of just have their way with them at, at such a, you know, early stage of his career. He's, he's literally a rookie. He's coming in. Um, but uh, pass blocking, run blocking, um, he seems like he's way ahead of the curve uh, of where a rookie should be. So um, I know it's kind of easy to pick out the, 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 you know, the first round rookie, but at the same time, that can be a, that can be a position where, you know, players struggle too. You know, uh, I, I don't want to say that, you know, Taylor Decker didn't exactly hit the ground running. I know it also took, um, it took his first preseason game for him to get his lunch money stolen by James Harrison uh, when the Lions played the Steelers in, the, in, in, in his first you know bit of NFL action. So, you know, kind of remains to be seen. But uh, Frank Ragnow is the guy who who stood out to me on Sunday. And uh, so just, are you are you comfortable with that, by the way, that you know, we're looking at him now left guard? I think we're that that's what he's going to be now. It's not going to be we talked about left guard or center, left guard or center. It's going to be left guard. 
Oh, yeah. Almost certainly. <clears throat> he he took his first snaps of uh, training camp at center today, Monday, but it was only like one series. So two, three, maybe four snaps. But uh, just kind of going off of, of Ryan there, of all of all the offensive linemen, I think he stuck out most for me. And like Ryan said, we didn't really have a great vantage point for the offensive line for most of training camp. But today, today on Monday, he, he had one play where he put Sylvester Williams on his ass. And that is something that, that'll get you hyped up real quick as a Lions fan when your first-round rookie is doing that uh, to a guy that you brought in uh, specifically to be your nose tackle. So that's that's exciting to happen. But kind of on the flip side there, <clears throat> um, defensive tackles, I haven't seen much out of anyone in that group, including uh, Sylvester Williams and Sean Robinson. Um, been a very, very quiet bunch throughout camp. Uh, we'll, we'll get into a little more on the defensive line because I, it's not all bad, but I just wanted to point out there that on the opposite side, Ragnow is not exactly facing the best competition right now. And, and re- before we get to the next part too, I, I want to kind of say about the Ragnow thing, and maybe you feel the same way, Jeremy, but it's kind of hard not to like pay attention to the the new shiny toy that's on the offensive line. You know what I mean? Because as you're watching training camp, like you said, there is no replay button. It's not DVR. You can't rewind it. You can't watch the play again. So you almost make this conscious decision as a viewer to be like, you know what? I want to watch this on this play because you can't watch everything. And like one of the worst things you can probably do is just watch the ball because then you're missing a lot of the other like pieces that are going on around it. So instead of doing that, like you kind of just like fix your focus on one thing. And it was hard not to watch rag now because it's like, well, I want to see how he's fitting in. I want to see how he's getting acclimated to the offense. Like, is he doing well at left guard? So you, you kind of have to go into camp and you have to go in with like these set. Like I was talking to Alex on the bus, on the shuttle on the way over. I was like, I want to watch like this guy, this guy, this guy, and that guy. And you know, you, you kind of like lock in on like these very like, you know, positional areas where you're like, I want to see this guy. Right, and, and that's why when you're at camp, sometimes the one-on-ones or like the the you know individual drills are more yeah. more giving than than the team drills because they compartmentalize the game for you. You can look specifically. Like I, my favorite drill of of camp, and they've done it two days in a row now, is tight ends blocking against a rushing pass rusher. Yep, and it's you know it's fully it's full contact, which is something that you don't really get from a lot of these full team drills. Like they only really do full contact towards the end of practice and you, you get individualized. Like you can see right there, Hoover, like it, it's this guy versus this guy. And so you get two guys that you can immediately analyze um, without, you know, the, the noise around them. And yeah. so it, el- it eliminates a lot of the distractions, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So once again, doing rag now there, is there anyone else though? Like I know I've seen Tio Redding's name shown up quite a bit lately and i think we i think we kind of predicted that would happen yeah he had a lot of hype coming in from from minicamp and uh otas and i think we talked a little bit about him last week um he's mostly lived up to to the hype i still feel like this is a guy who's bound to be practice squad bound but he's super athletic super big and and one thing I think the lines have really been missing in the reserves, you know, and the guys that are either inactive on game day or are on that practice squad are big guys who are also speedy. Like, like you normally see kind of the Jace Billingsley type as the, you know, slot guys or whatever you want to call them uh, as, as the lines reserves, they haven't had a good tall athletic receiver and, and, 
tier rating kind of checks all those boxes. The, the one thing I'm concerned about, though, is again, this is this is a guy going against going up against threes and fours on defense. So guys that definitely aren't going to be making the roster. And granted, he's embarrassing these guys a lot of the time. There was a drill today where he put literally five yards of separation in between him. And I don't even remember the guy's name, but it's someone who you don't need to know. Uh, and yeah, impressive. But again, let's see him do that up against Darius Slay. Let's see him do it against Deshaun Shedd, who we should probably talk about in a minute here. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, this happens every year with a wide receiver, I feel like. And Jay Lee. Jay Lee, right? Jay Lee was kind of in the same mold. But I I, I, I do come across pretty impressed with T.O. Redding so far. I just don't think it, it's going to amount to anything in 2018. Yeah. Um. Let's, well, you mentioned Shed right there. Let's go right along to it. We want to get more of these notes out of the way here while we still have some time. What do you think about him? Well, I mean, obviously to me, he was the biggest surprise camp because we talked a lot this offseason about the number two cornerback battle, and we never even mentioned this guy's name. I was I was very intrigued by Deshaun Shedd when the Lions drafted him, or I'm sorry, <laughs> added him in free agency. Uh, he He seemed like he was kind of peaking, like he was about to break out in Seattle, and then the injury happened, and he started to come back towards the end of 2017, but never really got his feeding, but he's the number two corner right now. I don't know if that's going to stick, but he's, he's on defense. They've been switching a lot of people around. He's one of the guys who's stayed there the entire time. He's the number two cornerback outside Darius Slay, and he's been pretty good at it. The only guy I've really seen consistently beat him is Marvin Jones. And Marvin Jones has just been lighting everyone up at camp so far. Marvin Jones is having a phenomenal camp. I think we could see Marvin Jones have a better year than he had last year. Uh, but Deshaun Shedd, surpri- a big surprise to me. I, I I did not expect him to be challenging for a starting spot. I did expect him to be part of this defense, part of the rotation of this defensive back uh, group that's pretty impressive, and I think we're going to see a lot of them contribute this year. I just had no idea he was coming for that starting job, and uh, at this point I, I don't see him relinquishing it. Ryan, what you what'd you think of him in your, your one day there? Um, you know, I didn't get a, I, I got, I got some good peaks at, you know, seeing defensive backs and, and receivers go at one another. Um, but I'll be honest, like I paid more attention to when, when T's Tabor was in there. Um, but, but, it, you know, it, it's also one of those things where, you know, maybe shed is just, uh, you know, he's over exceeding anybody's expectations because like you mentioned, expectations for him were just so low. Like, I think when the Lions signed him, a lot of people expected, you know what, um, he'll, you know, fill in a cornerback in a pinch. He might be like kind of like a DJ Hayden type. Uh, you know, he, if someone's, you know, if Nevin Lawson's getting, you know, just whooped on outside, they'll put in Shed. Maybe Shed will play a little bit of safety, uh, provides, you know, just a bunch of versatility, classic like Patricia player. But I, I think him like, you know, holding on to that number two spot, like all throughout, you know, camp so far um is is something something definitely to take note of i know we talked about whether or not if it's truly going to matter who like number two is because you know it's going to matter not even just week by week but you know series by series when it comes to you know how the lions are gonna be uh be lining up against you know other offenses and what kind of what kind of you know defenses they want to put out there what kind of personnels they want to put out there but yeah i mean 
if anybody, I, I don't know if Tease can really challenge him for that spot just because it seems like he almost has it so locked up. But I think it's still something that could be decided potentially in in, in four preseason games. I, I think sure. that I, I think that you know, um, I think Patricia and the and the coaching staff's opinion of of who can get the majority of those snaps could definitely be um, could definitely be altered. Do you do you have a a feeling on on what you saw out of Tease Tabor since you, you were focusing more on him? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I came away rather like impressed. Like, yeah. I mean, like it, it seems like he's made made like a a serious step. I know the kind of the narrative that's been following him around so far through camp is him talking about how, you know, when his playing when his playing career is done, he wants to be a coach. Um, I, I can only imagine that that flatters um somebody like Patricia or you know any any coach really um when when players want to be that cerebral. I mean, I know. Darius Slay talked about that a lot last season about how um, I remember it was after the Bears game uh, when he picked off Trubisky a couple times. Uh, he talked about, you know, uh, getting with Glover Quinn and getting with Rasheen Mathis and and those guys kind of like bringing him along and being like, hey, like you got to watch tape. You got to you got to, you know, start thinking like a coach. You got to start um, kind of putting it all together. You're you know, you're a great athlete and that's only going to take you so far. So it's really cool that like year two T's Tabor is already like, you know, I'm, I want to, I want to just, I want to feel this game out more mentally. So um, I, I, I did see him get beat once uh, by TJ Jones, which he's another guy who, you know, you want to talk about T.O. Redding just to touch on TJ Jones. Like this guy's absolutely the team's number four receiver. Yep. Like, I don't, I don't think that's, that's not within question at all. So um, it's going to be a question of whether or not the Lions decide to keep five wide receivers. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if they will. That, that's you know that's something we can maybe get into a little bit later. But the, I I only really saw the one play where T's got beat pretty pretty, pretty you know pretty bad by TJ Jones. But at this point, like TJ Jones is becoming a pretty respectable receiver. So those those things are going to happen in training camp. So, but for the most part, I came away pretty impressed. You mentioned T's. Is there anyone else like that? That's always the thing, right? I think we do these each year and everyone wants to talk about the new guys, but which of the, which of the guys we've seen in past years has looked really good right now? Um, if you're talking veterans, I mean, the, the typical guys, Darius Slay obviously still looks great. Matthew Stafford looks really good. Like I mentioned, Marvin Jones looks really good. Yeah, you mentioned T's. Like, is there just anyone else though? Any any other guys that kind of stand out, or is those the kind of the guys you go for? Uh, I mean, if we're talking about I, if 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 just added last year counts, I thought Jeremiah Valoaga has had a pretty good camp. The the aforementioned drill uh, where it was tight ends going up up against DEs that seems to be his drill. He's owned it the past two days. He looks really really good there. Unfortunately, I haven't seen him do it much else. Uh, do it outside of that drill. <clears throat> But uh, Alex Barrett is also a name that we have to mention. He's essentially been the starting left defensive end, uh, which is also a little bit of a surprise. But of course, of course, Devon Kennard is still out. Um, but they've been moving Kerry Hyder around a whole bunch, uh, not necessarily with the ones anymore. So the fact that Barrett's ahead of him is kind of interesting to me. And then I thought Jeremiah Ledbetter. I know I said there wasn't really a defensive tackle that stuck out much, but Ledbetter just been getting some play on the edge as well. Um, I thought he looked good today on Monday, kind of quiet in the first two days. But once the pads came back on, I thought he uh, he stuck out. The one guy who I haven't noticed one bit, though, is Ricky Jean-Francois, the guy the Lions just added last week, who we I guess we didn't even mention on the podcast that he signed. But um, 
that was a move we were all expecting to eventually happen, and it did. But he's been quiet basically through all four practices so far. All right. I think that's about it for training camp. Is there anything, any final notes y'all want to get out here? Yeah, let me let me throw out three names real quick. And it's not just that I think that they're all doing great because at some point, you know, we're going to just say like, oh, er- like I, everybody's playing great. But like the, these are three guys that I've seen like do more good than bad. One, Jalen Reeves-Maben. And I think that just because I was a little bit concerned on whether or not he'd have like a role, um, it, it seems pretty clear that like Patricia really likes him a lot um, from Sunday. Uh, then, um, also Quandre Diggs, like he was lining up in some pretty interesting positions. Um, I know that Roland Milligan kind of had the starting safety spot opposite of Quinn today, right, Jeremy? On That's Monday? right, with, with Tavon Wilson out with, yeah, uh, with some sort of injury. Yeah, so, um, kind of interesting that, you know, Diggs didn't get that spot, but, um, he was pretty active on Sunday when I was out there, um, lining up kind of like close to the defensive line and whatnot. Um, and then, uh, Tyrell Crosby, like, I think he's kind of just like a name who's kind of like flown under the radar a little bit just because he was a later round pick um, offensive line. But I think he's a guy who legitimately, I mean, he's playing like he, he, he lined up at uh, left tackle um, on Sunday, had a play that made Patricia drop an F bomb on how excited he was and saying like, I need that block every F in time. Um, and, you know, on the next play, Crosby got beat pretty bad, but um, uh, you know, yeah, right training camp and it's a rookie and it's a guy who I really think is going to be a better guard than tackle. But like, um, that was, that was cool to like, I guess we didn't even really get into like how different it was. And I know you don't have like a whole lot of context with like how Caldwell training camp was, but Patricia training camp is night and day. Well, he's so so much more involved, right? Like he's right there in the drills, right next to the drills where I kind of feel like, the one practice I went with Caldwell, he was just kind of standing in the middle of everything and just kind of glancing around and just blowing his whistle. Yep. And now this year it was like air horns and like people are running all over the place. And it seems like it's just much more regimented and much more like we have thing, like we're here to get work done. And I I guess I don't want to beat that drum, but. Do your job. Uh, Well, before, before we jump out of here, we probably have to mention carry on Johnson a little bit because He's maybe the most uh, hyped up rookie uh, on the team. I'll say that he had a very quiet first two days of camp. In fact, I would say he had a very quiet first 2.9 days of camp. And then the very last two plays on day three, he scores two touchdowns from the goal line on two, I think, really impressive reads from him. And that's that's to me what always intrigued me most about Carryon Johnson is, is how he can read. and that could be invaluable on the goal line. So he kind of like, I don't want someone to win me over based on two, two snaps in training camp, but he came very close to doing it at the end of day three, because those are yeah. two impressive runs and and we've seen the line struggle on the goal line. And for someone of his size to, to give me that sort of confidence on the goal line is not an easy thing to do, but that jump cut, man, so good. So good. I'm, I'm excited. He glides. Now. he glides, man. That's the way he does. He glides gliding and sliding all right let's take a break here when we come back we need to finish up we need to get down the stretch here on Wayback machine i think i think this has been fun but i think we underestimated how many weeks we would need to finish this up so whew. uh i think i think maybe in the next season jeremy maybe we just do like the big games but we're committed to finish this and i think we either way even under the when we have to talk 
We could knock out two at a time if you want now. Maybe, maybe for the next coming weeks, but this, this, this is the Thanksgiving game we're talking about this week, and I think this one's important, right? Yeah. It's important, important but I want to skip it. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. We'll be right back. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Wayback Machine. Back to November to Thanksgiving Day. The day where the Lions have, up until this point, had a pretty good record coming into Thanksgiving. I think, what, we the Lions had won the last three Thanksgiving games? Is that right, Jeremy, or was it four? Three sounds right. I can't imagine this team winning. Because I think, yeah, well, I, I remember they lost, they lost to the Texans. I think that was like their last loss before 2017. And they that played the Texans in what? Yeah. I don't have either way. Long... I don't, I don't, clearly this is not a, an area of preparation I did not think I would have to do. And I don't know why I dive into areas where I am not prepared, but nevertheless, Minnesota Vikings 30. Detroit Lions, 23, and I think a crush that even if people were holding out hopes, the Lions could say our favorite phrase with us for everyone, run the table, this loss here, put the kibosh in it. Yeah, I I think this pretty much, it didn't end the Lions' playoff hopes, but it almost certainly crushed their their hopes for a a, a division win. The Vikings were coming in 8-2, the the Lions were 6-4. A win there would put the Lions at seven and four and the Vikings at eight and three. That would put them only a game apart and the Lions would have the tiebreaker, obviously having swept the Vikings. But now they're three games behind at this point after this game. The tiebreaker is up for grabs because they both won a game. Uh, and then with what we have five games left. So making up three games in, in five weeks, pretty much an impossible task, especially when you're going against a team that's now nine and two. Uh, this, this one was a big punch to the gut. Yeah, and for the record, Minnesota is going to end up. You you guys like saying running the table. Minnesota is going to end up winning every last game they have except for one, where they lose, uh, I believe, in December to Carolina. Right. So, so the, like, the Lions yeah. literally would have had to run the table for them to win the division, <laughs> including this game. A, a game, a game that Lions fans wanted Minnesota to win. <laughs> Can you remind me again why they like this? This was the weird thing, right? Like there, there was some weird. 
weirdness going on in the middle of the season. Ryan, you clearly remember it better than I do. Please explain why were there Lions fans wanting Minnesota to win this game? Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about when, when they played Carolina because the Lions were vying for a wild card spot at that point. But I'm sure that there were probably Lions fans who wanted Minnesota oh, okay. to win no, no, because no, no. they wanted explain, explain the Carolina. Fired. Explain the Carolina one then. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, just at, at that point in the season, like the Lions were chasing some ghosts, right? Like, I mean, they were chasing after Atlanta. Well, because the NFC South was just like the juggernaut that seemed like there could potentially be three playoff teams that came out of it. You're going to have the NFC South champion, um, you know, uh, Saints, Falcons, Panthers, all three of those teams end up making the playoffs. The Lions played all three of those teams. They played the NFC South, you know, last season. So uh, they they needed all the help that they could get. And of course, Minnesota failed to do that. But oh well. So even Lions, even when Lions didn't yeah. to go to the playoffs last year, they didn't. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about how Case Keenum throw for two hundred seventy yards. Shall we? I, I want to talk about the very first thing that I remember about this game, and it's the play action pass on the goal line to Kyle Rudolph for the touchdown, mm-hmm. and the Lions yep. have ten defenders on the field. Is that, the moment Caldwell got, is that the moment Caldwell got fired? No. Uh, it definitely threw some lighter fluid on the on the on the hot seat. That's for sure. Um, it. I mean, it, it would happen. <laughs> uh, this would happen I, again. There would be another instance in when the, in which the Lions wouldn't have you know all eleven players on the field. Um, and I think that was the final nail, probably in Caldwell's coffin, but. Maybe, but I don't know. Those those plays stick out as frustrating, but I think if you look at the grand scheme of things, that those kind of things happen. It's just well, no, they just, happen once. They can't happen again because, right. like the the first time Caldwell kind of gets a pass sure. to me. Like that's how that's how I see it. If it happens again, then the guy who's in charge is not holding his constituents, you know, in in you know, accountable. Yeah. Well. So, Here's here's the first thing I remember from this game. It's that the Lions in the first half seemed to absolutely shut down the Vikings running game. Completely. Now, they couldn't for some reason Case Keenum was kind of tearing apart through the air. But the I was Lions to say like this game got off to a 13 to nothing lead real quick for Minnesota. Right. But but what sticks out to me more the very first possession of the second half I don't know if you guys remember it. It was, I think it was either three or four plays. Okay, let me pull it up. Here it we go. Four plays. It was four, four plays. plays. I'm looking at it right First now. First one, a run for 46 yards up the middle. Next one, a run to the right for 16 yards. The next one, a run to the right for 11 yards. The next one, two-yard touchdown run. Four mm-hmm. very successful running plays. And the game wasn't technically over then, but it was just like the Lions' run defense was so good in the first half and literally gave up 75 yards in four plays. On yeah, the Murray, very and McKinnon, four plays. Murray and McKinnon put together there. Let, let me let me see if I've got this right. Just how many, 75 yards total there, just in yeah. four plays. And yeah, that was a, that made it a 17-point lead at that point. The rest of the game, they had 60 yards. Yeah. They didn't really need too much of it, though, because the Lions just could not. This was, this was one of the games that always stood out to me is where it's just the Lions just, did not know what to do in the red zone because after that touchdown, you mentioned you have the second half there, the lions get 
within the red zone twice, very quickly, very quickly. I think, I think what was it? 12 plays on one drive and then eight on the next. So, I mean, I don't know if I'd call that quick, but either way, I mean, they're, they're doing what they do. They're making short yardage gains and they are getting down the field by hook or by crook. But then as soon as they get within, I, 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 let's see that, that first drive that ends in a field goal, that's at Minnesota's 14 where it dies. Right. Second Three drive. Zero yards yeah. 14. yeah. Yeah. Second, the second drive you're at the 27 and it ends up going backwards when Stafford gets sacked on third and two. So this is, I mean, I don't know how much we've talked about it in the past, but we do know the Lions had a lot of trouble last year getting into the red zone. And this game, I feel, was endemic to that. Well, yeah, I mean, when you're when you're playing a good team like the Vikings, you can't really settle for a lot of field goals. And you're right, that's exactly what they did in the second half when, you know, Vikings come out, punch you in the mouth right to start the second half, and you come out with two field goals. It's not, it's not a good look. And... I mean, really the only reason the Lions were in this game at the end was the phenomenal play of the year from Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones, my God, he's the one winner out of this game I want to talk about. 43 yards. That I mean, that play is still unbelievable to me. I, I can watch that every day of the week and not understand not only how he made Xavier Rhodes his son that day, but who was the safety on that play? Was it Harrison Smith? Well, it was Ter- Terrence Newman who was oh, also Terrence in coverage. Newman. It was Terrence Newman. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's just, I don't, like, that dude is lost. He kind of looked like well, that they Cowboys. Because they had 12 players on the field. Right. He kind of looked like that Cowboys lineman when Barry ran by him. And he was just, like, turning around, like, where? what's happening? Where's the play? And Marvin is just over there elevating over him, splitting him, and, and then just easily walking into the end zone. That play... Whew. So good. I, w- I wasn't ready to rewrite the story on Case Keenum, but just just to veer it back, like the Lions made him look really good in this game. Yeah, yeah. I- <laughs> kind of. I mean, I-, I agree. Like at this point, it was like, okay, the Case Keenum juice is real. At the same time, like I just think about the possession where it's like, you know how easy it is to play like with a lead when you know your defense is good. All you need to know is that you don't need to screw, you know, screw anything up. And hey, on four on on four plays in one possession, we can just basically run the football into the end zone from, you know, 70 from, you know, 70 plus yards out. So I don't know, like legit, cool, good luck in Denver case, but like. Vikings defense was just too much. It was way too much. This and yeah, there there were just that's all they needed, right? They needed a couple of they needed a couple of drives to really work that way, and that's what happened. Like at the end of the first quarter, and at the start of the I mean, at the end of the first half and the start of the second, and at the start of the game, like they just had multiple touchdowns that just threw the Lions on the back foot, and they just didn't know what to do with it. It's yeah. true, but I mean. T- I, th- I think you're kind of downplaying just how good the Vikings offense was at this point, because you put up 23 points against the Vikings defense. That that's not bad. I mean, it, it's not like the, I'm not going to say the Lions offense was good this day, but 23 points against the Vikings will win you. I would say maybe half, the, half the games against the Vikings outside of last year, because last year Minnesota was just so good on both sides of the ball, but 
the Lions don't score 23 against the Vikings very often. I don't think they even did in their win, right? Wasn't that more like a 20 to 17 won, game or something? Like that? The game that, that you like, went to? They won 14. Yeah. They got 14 to 14? 7. Yeah, that's right. Seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you score 23 against the Vikings. That that gets you into winnable territory, but maybe the Lions it, defense. Maybe, but the Lions gives up 30. Does not yeah, put exactly. That's what I'm territory. saying. The Lions defense, and I I can't quite remember what was going on with the secondary that day, but, you know, Case Keenum only threw nine incompletions and 21 completions, 9.4 yards per attempt, two touchdowns. Guy basically had his way with the Lions that day. Well, let's let's talk about the end of the game because, I mean, 23, I mean, it, there was a point in this game near the end where the Lions looked like they could have had a chance to win this because it was a four-point margin after, you know, the last touchdown Lions score, three plays, that's that Marvin Jones touchdown we mentioned. The Vikings go nine plays and punt, and the Lions get the ball back with, I think, what was that? What was, How much time was left? Eight minutes, eight and a half. Eight, yeah, eight and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, and it's a four-point possession. And they have, I mean, and even the, the, the Vikings will, the, the Lions will get two shots to try to win or tie this thing. And it's so late in the season, I, I'm trying to remember, it's so late in the season, though, that I, the first thing in my mind is not a Matthew Stafford comeback. Is it for you guys? I think the thing, the thing also to keep in mind too, is like on, on that throw, you know, to Marvin Jones, where he leaped up over Xavier Rhodes and Terrence Newman, like Stafford got rolled up on and got hurt on that play. He was getting beat pretty bad. Um, Let me find how many sacks he had in the game, but I remember at least like I mentioned one of his sacks. He was getting pretty, there were quite, there were quite a few. Yeah. I mean like three times. Yeah. And I mean, he was just feeling the pressure all day. So, um, I don't know. This just kind of, it felt like a game, like, I don't know. It kind of felt like the New Orleans game, but not as insane. Like, like, because, because what happens early on, and this, this is why I kind of say that like Case Keenum was kind of like just gifted a whole lot of, like, I don't want to call them easy opportunities. No opportunities in the NFL are very easy, but like they score that touchdown. The Lions have 10 players on the field. And then the Lions first possession there's the fumble on the handoff exchange between Stafford and Abdul. And all of a sudden the Vikings are right back in, you know, plus territory. So, I mean, like, you know, okay. Your defense had almost no time to rest. You know, they're back right out on the field. And all of a sudden good thing. Ashawn Robinson has big mitts because you know, it's, it's, it's 13, nothing to, to start the game. You're essentially putting yourselves in a 13 point hole and you're at home. So with a crowd that's very volatile at this point, I, oh, yeah. the booze were really loud on Thanksgiving. Yeah, they were. I mean, it's probably because their last few games have not really been pleasing to the eye. They may have came in with on a couple game win streak, but you know, beating the Browns is like, they did, was, Browns. did not really feel good. <laughs> and, no. but I, I think it's interesting to go back to, to the point that Ryan made about Stafford being injured in this game towards the end there, because after that Marvin Jones touchdown, the Lions had, like like we said, eight and a half minutes left to go, two more possessions. They put up 12 total yards in those two possessions. Yeah, this this is the point I was going to get to once we got back to it, though. Is like, so they have the ball back, and they go three, and promptly go three and out. Lose about two minutes, punt the ball. Turn around, and it's a field goal for Minnesota. Okay, it's only a seven-point lead now. 
And then we get four plays, about three yards, and Stafford throws an interception that was intended for Marvin Jones, which basically ends the game at that point. Like the the, the Vikings, the Vikings, you can stop the Vikings and maybe get the ball back, but they are able to convert on a on a third down, I believe. Yeah, third you know, and they, four. They didn't even have to. They they kicked the field goal. It, that was the time where they they were kicking a field goal to basically make it a two possession game. Uh, Quinn or not Quinn Slay blocks it. It gets returned for a touchdown for a potential tie game, but he was way offsides. Yeah, and that yeah. ended the game. But I, I mean, do you think it could have ended any differently if, if Stafford was not hurting that bad at that point? Was he even hurting that bad? I mean, I'm sure he was, but he obviously played the next week too. I don't know, man. Like that's the thing, and I brought that up mostly because, like, if you would ask me in 2016, all right, you got eight and a half minutes left. Four point four point deficit ball in Stafford hand. I'm going to tell you plenty of time, and yet at this point, we've had twelve games now, of twelve weeks now in 2017, and I've just seen enough opportunities lost that I'm not going to count on that comeback. Maybe, but to me, like the only real comparison earlier in the season is what Ryan said: is that New Orleans game where they somehow managed to get back in a game they probably didn't deserve to be in and Stafford couldn't seal the deal but it's hard for me not to look back at the previous Thanksgiving right where Stafford and I guess it was mostly Darius Slay with his pick at the end of the game that had them beat the Vikings on Thanksgiving at home uh with a comeback win and so I think at the time I was still thinking it's a possibility especially when it was just a four score game and not a not a not a seven point game but the the injury, I think, at the time had me thinking, like, Ugh, I don't know if Stafford's going to be able to pull this off, and obviously he couldn't, but I don't know. Uh, I, again, it, it the Lions put themselves in a rough position early in this game, and against against the Vikings team, you can't expect to be able to come back from behind a lot. You just can't. Ryan, were you believing at the end? Uh, a little part of you always wants to believe, right? It's Thanksgiving, especially with, like, what Jeremy said what happened the the year prior, maybe some more Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving afternoon magic, but no, like I just ultimately believe that like the Vikings defense would show up when they needed to. And Xavier Rhodes did get a little bit of redemption picked off Stafford at the end of the game when he had to force something, but that's that on to Baltimore. On to Baltimore. We're, I think we're going to truncate the remainder of the season. I think we've got Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Chicago, Cincinnati, Green Bay. We'll try to truncate that, I think, into maybe two remaining Wayback Machine podcasts. That sound good to you guys? I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think, yeah, this, I just, I, I think, I think this thing is not running out of juice, necessarily. It's just uh, we're, we're running out of time. Yeah. This, is, this is like the end of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You know, we got to get back. <laughs> we could we i think we'll start this a little earlier or maybe again we'll do highlights next season but we don't want this to interfere when we start talking about preseason so i think we're, we're at the point where it's like all right it's a wrap uh thank you but i mean we've been getting some great feedback on the wayback machine so it's definitely going in the pod cast canon for recurring segments i think it's mostly the sound effect though let's be honest yeah yeah is someone gonna make a dubstep remix of my of my uh wayne's world effect <laughs> I would love that. Man. All right, let's take a break. And speaking of reoccurring segments, Wait, it's can, can we get back to present day first? We can. Not, the mailbag's okay. coming up. 
Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail time. Hashtag ask POD. As always, get your questions in. We are always hungry for questions. We want to know what's on your mind, what you are thinking, and what we can do to make your day fantastical. Now, Jeremy, I think we yes. have one more review from last week. Uh, we have one from this week. I think we read the ones from last week. Let me just okay. Here. Okay, well, we will uh, figure out. Yeah. Just, just start reading reviews, I guess. All right. Uh, I like this very first review because it was something that I was going to mention that I forgot to mention comes from Jayco Joe Carr says training camp fan first day five stars he says yo Jay Remy which is oddly not the first time I've been called that I was the kid at training camp that said love the podcast keep up the great work I was hoping to meet Ryan but he was probably playing Fortnite I think you're more adequate than perfect sorry Chris love you guys yeah uh I thought that was really cool first day there at training camp yeah let's, uh, let's tell the story like yeah first day at training camp I'm just uh, I'm just standing up there in the the, the media tent or whatever, and uh, a kid over to our right, which is kind of right next to us, just goes, "Hey, Jeremy, love the podcast, man." I'm just like, "Oh, hey, man, thanks." Uh, it's pretty cool. Like, uh, I don't know if anyone has uh, come up to me and, and specifically shouted out the podcast, but always great to hear some fans. I, I wasn't able to go down and, and actually meet you, which I'm I'm sorry about. Right in the middle of work there, but. Uh, thanks for the, the shout out. I was going to mention you on the podcast, but saw that you, uh, left a review and we got to talk about it now. Where were you that day, Ryan? Uh, I was busy not being a season ticket holder or having credentials. So blame that on, uh, so pl- playing not, Fortnite. He was right. Blame that on not being paid enough for being a public school teacher and blame it on Jeremy for not getting a second credential. <laughs> That's it, for That's, That's it for reviews. That's it for reviews. That's it for reviews. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now, we've got a lot of questions here. I'm going to try to get to what we can. And I think let's start with a lion specific question from Trevor on Twitter. Who is going to be a cut from the team that might shock fans? 
Are you guys um, ready to start taking a Deadpool bets right now on who's not going to make this fifty-three man? I guess I guess the one guy I said and it's not really going to shock a lot of people that have been paying close attention to this team, but I think Miles Killebrew is that guy, and I think that might surprise some people because, as Ryan alluded to earlier, it was Roland Milligan that was the starting strong safety today when Tavon Wilson was out, not Miles Killebrew, and. Miles Killebrew has not made an impression on me through four days of practice. I, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but at this point he's going to need to show me something in the preseason because I don't, I don't know how much longer they can hold on to him and, and wait for something to happen. Any thoughts on this run? Oh man, it's, it's uh, from, from just being there for one day of practice, it's kind of difficult, but um you know, I think I think a name that might surprise some people, and I know Jeremy's not gonna like this, but like maybe it's Jake Rudock. I will say this: I thought Matt Castle had a really good day today. It, Old man strong. They've been kind of switching between second and third team, both of those two, and today it wasn't even clear which which team was out there some of the time, so I, I can't tell you who was out there with the twos today necessarily, but Rudock, I mean, uh, Castle dropped a couple dimes today, and he, he looked pretty confident out there, so I think I think it's closer. I came in thinking Rudock was probably a little bit ahead. I think, uh, I think Castle's had a slightly better camp so far. You think that's going to be decided in the preseason? Yeah, absolutely. All right. KH Maker D asking us, what is your favorite food truck from training camp? Jeremy, did you partake in any did you partake in any of the food truck? I didn't, sadly. I did the first couple days for the uh on. for the uh season ticket holders, they did have donuts laid out for free and I I did partake in some of those, but no no training camps. I know they have like a taco stand out there, they have some sort of like big boy themed one. I haven't, I haven't tried any of them though. Be real, be real. You turned your nose up to those tacos because you just got back from LA. No, no, I've been craving tacos. I'm going to be making carnitas tomorrow on my day off. It's going to be great. Sounds great, actually. Next question here from Zucifer. Uh, do you, by the way, Zucifer, shout out to him. He's a regular on the Pride of Detroit Discord. Follow me on Twitter. You will find the link in my profile. Do you guys think Roberts, I believe he means Michael Roberts, will win the starting tight end job sometimes this season. This was a discussion that I had with Kent and Alex on Sunday. Uh, Brett Whitefield, I think, was walking his his children around who are both adorable. Um, but, uh, yeah, somebody sound the PFF siren. Um, he was asking why we're he's not on this podcast today, by the way. <laughs> Interesting. Because he didn't um, invite me to dinner with Reno last night. That's why... He- yeah, I didn't get an invite either. So training camp is a political nightmare. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta schmooze with all these people, and I did my schmoozing. I put my schmoozing in. Um, I still get I still didn't get a dinner invite. Yeah, so Michael Roberts. So we're we're watching the tight ends, like we said. The first thing that I noticed about the tight ends was I saw a Toy Lolo, and I was like, that guy's huge, he's <laughs> massive. Um, but. I mentioned this to Alex. And I was like, Hey, I was like, I think at some point during the season, like Roberts is just going to be tight end one. Like it, it's, it's going to happen. Like, you know, the stuff I saw from toy Lolo, it's like that. Yeah. That guy looks like he's a blocker. Um, Wilson looks like he's athletic, but I'm not sure. Like, you know, if he can keep everything from, you know, Roberts getting the lion's share, no pun intended of like snaps. 
Um, but then again, Roberts didn't do a whole lot to impress me. Like I didn't see anything where I was like, oh yeah, you know what? That's like some tight end one potential right there. So I think it can happen. Um, I just don't know if it will. What do you think, Jeremy? Well, we've been talking a lot about the guys that we like in camp, and I'm just going to go and say Michael Roberts is not one of those guys for me. Today, he had a fumble. He he looks, to me, extremely inconsistent. Extremely inconsistent, and you just can't have that at the tight end position. Uh, he looks inconsistent as a blocker, especially. Um, not his specialty, but he'll have one good rep followed by two bad ones. And then as a receiver, he just doesn't look necessarily reliable to me because of the drops because of the fumbles he just the thing is like his he uses his body so well he can block me he could be you know a rebounder in basketball just the way he blocks guys out with with his huge frame but the hands have just been unreliable so far and so I don't know I I think Toilolo's a better blocker I think Luke Wilson's a better catcher Roberts is supposed to be that middleman guy that can do both. And I haven't seen him consistently do both throughout camp. And so I'm, I'm coming away disappointed, especially with a guy who always, I mean, both se- off season so far is kind of come in with a lot of hype and uh, I just don't see it yet. All right. Next question here. Let's step back from the lions for a second. Cause we got some more questions about the world of the lions. James at cookie nine, nine, one. What's the opinion on Jim Caldwell being involved with the XFL talks? The most surprising piece of <laughs> football related news that How I've seen. How the hell is he with the XFL committee Maybe ever? Like I, talk about a complete mismatch. It's, yeah. I mean, to me, it, it honestly shows you that the XL is taking this seriously as like an actual football league. Oh, sure. Because yeah. There, no, there's no. no one more serious about football than Jim Caldwell. Yeah, this isn't this isn't going to be the weird sideshow XFL of the of the aughts, which is, I think, in itself, fairly disappointing. Oh, I yeah, that's so disappointing. That's the only like, I thing I wanted it to be. That, that That's just it. Right. I think we've accepted that this new XFL is not going to be the toddy thing that was sold to a, that, you know, that Ryan was probably a zygote when this happened, but was sold to <laughs> was sold to teenagers in the aughts and just or or McMahon the original vision of it. It's it's definitely McMahon's vision of basically uh the what NFL but for be. even more yeah the NFL but for even chuddier chuds. <laughs> just say so, it. Just say it. Just say it. People who watch football but enjoyed wrestling even more. I don't know if wrestling people would even enjoy it at this point. This seems a very serious league they're putting together. Oh yeah. No, no, this league now I'm talking about the original incarnation of it. Like that that was, that was purely sports entertainment. Jesse Ventura is up there in the broadcast booth mumbling the entire time. So do you think it can make it as a serious league? Like, do you think that's the right way for the XFL to go or do they need to go like campy and ridiculous again, Listen, but just like, it's a different time frame now and that might actually work in this. Well, here's the thing. And I I'm, I'm writing a piece on this. I'm trying to write some notes on this. Cause I would love to pitch it as a piece to somewhere else. Like arena football is on the verge of dying. Right. I saw it characterized the other day as basically just being Ron Jaworski and a bunch of friends as far as ownership like there are only four teams in the the arena football league 
and Dan Gilbert has the fifth one in Cleveland on hiatus while he renovates the uh, the arena pretty much. So that was always kind of considered number two. I mean, Jeremy, you, you might not think the football was ever that good or whatever, but at least it was on ESPN too. It made for cable programming. Uh, I mean, the Canadian football leagues doing pretty well in that regard right now, but it's always kind of limited as far as when its scope is, because ultimately it is a fall league, even though it starts in the summer, there's going to be a be room for a number two league out there. I mean, it's going to be playing on like CBS sports network or on, you know, ESPN plus or whatever, but people will want that content. And I think unlike some of these other leagues, there is a ton. Of, what, what was it, Ryan? I didn't McMahon say he was pumping something like half a billion dollars into this league. Oh yeah. He's, he's putting money up. So it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to be, it's going to keep going for probably more than a year. So I, I don't know. I, I think, I think it's liable to happen. They're definitely serious about it. I'm kind of curious what role Jim Caldwell is going to play in, uh, being a committee, but I, uh, it's just funny because like all the promotional tweets from XFL are like, we're listening to the fans and seeing what they want for this league. It's like, then why are you tapping Jim Caldwell? You think like if there's, there's definitely, if there's yeah. anyone that's more emblematic of the 30 rock, Steve Buscemi, <laughs> what, what I don't even remember the quote exactly, but how do you do fellow kids? Yeah. How you do fellow kids? Like that's Jim Caldwell. If he's trying to be hip. Well, and I mean, so the rest of the room is, is, is also completely in the Buscemi line too. Right. John not Fox and, ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Doug Flutie. <laughs> It's just it's it's a weird group, and to me, I don't I don't know if taking football that seriously is what people want out of the XFL. So it's a very interesting thing. I think we mentioned this, Ryan, when we first saw the XFL being announced. Too, it felt like there's two different voices kind of coming from the XFL. There was the people who put together the video package talking about you know doing fantasy football live during a game and all these like technological and and social media innovations, and then there's Vince McMahon coming out there growling about how no one is ever going to dare kneel for the anthem. A, a bit at odds, that's for sure. Yeah. Like, there's just, it's really hard to kind of parse what it is. So, like with all things involving the McMahon family, it's kind of tea leaf reading and watching for the white smoke coming from the chimneys. And that is a Catholic reference that uh, I just made there. So, we should probably move on to another subject. Constrictor 14, is Jason Hansen a Hall of Fame kicker? Oh, this is a tough one. We're having a lot of Hall of Fame conversations this week because thanks to Dan Orlovsky, who said that Matthew Stafford will be one. Uh, I've got another question on that regard, too, but that's up next. I don't know. I I mean, I don't think he will be at this point. I feel like if he would have been a Hall of Famer, he probably would have made it already. Should he be? It's tough. His stats are pretty good. They're not outstanding. And I think the thing that's missing is like the Adam Vinatieri big kick things. And obviously that's not his fault. He didn't have the opportunity to make a lot of big kicks in his career, but that's, that's how you distance yourself from, from regular kickers is the clutch factor. And he just didn't get the opportunities to be as clutch as, uh, as some of his cohorts. Yeah, I, he, Jason Hans is a name every Lions fan knows, but I think if you asked someone else outside of Lions fandom, they're not going to tell you who he is. 
Yeah, outside other of than, the uh, NFC North. Yeah, unless there's someone who's like really, really memorable with trivia about, uh, you know, the Madden f- video game series or who <laughs> the last active football player from from some like old Super Nintendo football games or something. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> I don't. I don't care about your stupid Hall of Fame after all the nonsense that's been going on with to yeah yeah weird week for hall of fame no (laughs) k-line country asking us about the aforementioned matt stafford and discussion about whether he's a hall of fame uh quarterback has there ever been a hall of flame hall of fame player slash quarterback that has never won a playoff game never was picked for the pro bowl uh, Both those things probably not. I mean, Stafford has made one Pro Bowl, but he was an alternative. Ultimate, but yeah, ultimate, yeah, whatever. yeah. But he wasn't picked for the Pro Bowl, and he hasn't won a playoff game. I'm sure there's some uh, players, but as far as quarterbacks, I don't. That's oof, that's a tough sell. I don't know. Once again, yeah. I feel this is a case of Lions fandom being a little myopic towards just Detroit. I, I think so too. I mean. Uh, Mike Payton put out an article today, Monday, about making the case for him being a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't think he's anywhere near there right now, and it's not just the playoff wins. Um, if if Stafford were an MVP level quarterback without the playoff wins, we we could have this conversation, but he's not. He's only been in the MVP conversation once, and that was in 2016. And then he. I don't want to say he choked at the end of the season. The team choked at the end of the season. He was arguably injured with a finger injury. But we're talking about a guy who hasn't ranked in the top five in passer rating in like a single season. We're talking about a guy who's not, I mean, he hasn't really been a top five quarterback in his entire career. If we're comparing, what I think I I don't like is people using the yardage stuff, saying he's reached 30,000 receipts. Passing yards to 40,000. Well, we're we're in a different era of football. Yeah, and hi. We're, we're talking, talking about, also about the Detroit Lions, who haven't had a run game since exactly. Barry Sanders, and They're all this team has been known to do. Yeah, all this team has been known to do for the past decade is just throw the ball deep. That's been their identity. So, and if we're comparing in era, we're talking about a quarterback who's played second, third, fourth, fifth. fifth. I mean, he's been in a, se- a second tier quarterback for at least the first six years of his career. Maybe he's making a jump to the to the first year. I don't think he's there yet, but he's very close. But he to me, he needs to continue this upward trajectory, and I don't know if he will. I mean, he's hitting 30 now. If he doesn't reach that second tier or that first tier of quarterbacks with, you know, putting up passer ratings in the hundreds instead of the mid-90s and, you know, throwing 40 touchdowns a season again and, and th- you know, getting his interceptions down to seven or eight instead of nine or ten a season. If he doesn't make that jump, then he absolutely needs the postseason success. He needs yeah, one he, of those two things to happen for him to even be in the conversation. And right now, he is neither. So for me, it's absolutely just the for me, it's just the latter. It's just the latter. He has to take the Lions where they haven't been in a very long time, and that's probably a playoff win, probably more than just a playoff. Yeah, and it's not necessarily fair because I don't think postseason success is is a fair way to judge a quarterback. I mean, a lot of people railed on Peyton Manning for the longest time because he wasn't a very good postseason quarterback. But but I mean, he was always going to go to the Hall of Fame either way. Like, it, it's important about narrative. It really is. That's how we determine these Hall of Fames. No, uh, that, that, 
that's your opinion on that. Like sometimes Hall of Fames are about that. It's not just Absolutely. a stat book. It's not just a stat book at the end of the day. Sometimes right. it is about this quarterback took a took a team to to its first ever Super Bowl and won it or something akin to that. It's it is about histrionic sometimes. I mean, it's it's not just here are all the best stat makers in this sport. We will put them there or else we'd have to just as you mentioned, Jeremy, we'd have to regularly go back in the Hall of Fame and sh- shove people out because they're not throwing and they're not receiving at the rates that people in 2018 are. Right, and because, I mean, the people voting on this thing, they're all about moments, moments that they remember. They need moments of Matthew Stafford's career that they can remember. And while there's, like, little things like his comeback against Dallas and his comeback against uh, the Browns in his rookie year, all those things stick out as little things. But the stakes were so low in those games. That yeah, Matt Flynn, not... had a, Matt Flynn had an amazing comeback right. game Correct. there. Come on. So, yeah, in order to make the Hall of Fame, you need amazing moments. And Stafford has a couple amazing moments just on small scales. And just, you know, that are they're immortalized in Detroit, but they're not immortalized in the NFL. And that's what it takes to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Owen Strensky asking us, is it worth it to finish law school? Ryan, you are the uh, teacher of men here. Why don't you give your career advice? Yeah, are you doing it in America? Let's uh, let me pull up his profile. He, he can't answer you. I don't know. This is a podcast. It's kind of a one way conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's just say yes. No. I mean, if you started already, you might as well. You're gonna make. You're gonna bust your ass, but you'll make money. Just forget it. <sighs> Okay. Quit your great. job and stream video games. Drop out. Yep. Bud Dog, you have to make your own personal pan lion's pizza. What are the top who are the toppings and what are they? Wait, what? <laughs> are we turning into cannibals for this question? Yeah, yeah. What's going on here? Let's change this up. <laughs> What's going All on? Right. All right. Never mind. Next question. Kevster. <laughs> Fried pickles versus mozzarella sticks. Who wins? Dude, nobody knows how to make fried pickles right. Like no one ever. No one. It's like fried. It's like this. any like at least there's some people who know how to make fried okra right. But you would think the same principles that makes good fried okra would carry over to pickles, and no one can get that right. Everybody loses in this situation. Okay, but like realistically, I know we hate on mozzarella sticks all the times, but they can't be better than 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 pickles. Oh, what does what does dictionary.com think about this? What characterized by or given to the representation in literature or art of things that they really are the realistic novels. Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Ryan Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side.
reached the High Fashion Hotline. Help! Our family's going to a big football game this weekend, and I want to get us on the Jumbotron in some fresh new styles. Sprint over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's giant thank you event is happening now. Get 30% off your purchase or 40% off when you use or open an Old Navy credit card at Old Navy or OldNavy.com. 40% off? Wow, that's a huge score. Better hurry. It ends Sunday. Time to huddle up and head to Old Navy. High Fashion. Old Navy. Valid 926 to 930. Excludes in-store clearance, register lane items, gift cards, jewelry, today only, and two-day only deals. 40% offers subject to credit approval. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.